This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, bringing you vital information to boost your health, your finances, and your rights. Find out more at carp.ca. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Christine Ross for Libby's Nimer. Happy New Year. Goodbye 2021, making the most of New Year's resolutions amid a pandemic. And a new no-fuss cookbook that will leave you with little cleanup. But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. A new, less invasive glaucoma surgery is showing success. Shanghai Eye, Ear, Nose and Throat Hospital has announced the city's first gel stent, a newly developed device that's significantly less invasive during glaucoma surgery. It offers reduced intraocular pressure with less risk, shorter operating times and quicker recovery. The surgery reduces the cut in a traditional surgical procedure from 10 millimeters to just one, so there's less trauma and less risk of pre- and post-surgical complications. Glaucoma is the top irreversible eye disease causing blindness. As people age, some have trouble reading prescription labels, knowing what dose to take, and identifying proper pills, and mistakes can have life-threatening consequences. Now, the label is doing the talking in some U.S. pharmacies. The words are read aloud through a standalone speaker or your smartphone app. CVS Health recently announced that talking labels are now available in its nearly 10,000 retail pharmacies in the U.S. The head of the American Council for the Blind is pushing to see this become standard at all pharmacies. America's first baby born through in vitro fertilization celebrated her 40th birthday this week. It signaled new possibilities for infertile couples, and IVF helped redefine the careers and family expectations of every woman in the boomer generation and younger. Elizabeth Carr's birth called for a packed house delivery room, complete with a documentary film crew, and security guards blocked the doors to potential intruders. On the street outside, protesters picketed against IVF. Meanwhile, the first so-called test tube baby in the world, Louise Brown, was born in 1978 in the UK. Canadians bought more cannabis from legal sources last year than ever before. The annual Health Canada survey finds 53% of respondents bought pot regularly from legal storefronts, up from 41% the year before. While the data suggests the legal market is chipping away at the illicit market, industry observers have long noted that the stigma associated with pot use discourages those using illegal channels from answering the survey. 100-year-old Clarence Frett is the next face on the Wheaties box of cereal, an honor normally reserved for world-class athletes. The centenarian says he's had a bowl of Wheaties almost every day since 1943. Frett's daughter contacted General Mills, who put him on the box to help celebrate Wheaties' own 100th birthday. I'm Christine Ross, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. 
feeling too overwhelmed to make New Year's resolutions as we head into yet another uncertain future amid a pandemic? According to science, making small, positive changes in your life may matter more in these times. Exercise ranks among the top resolutions this year as more people vow to lose the pandemic pounds. But the best advice is self-care and no need to go big. I spoke with Dr. Ann Wilson, psychology professor at Wilfrid Laurier University. So with 2021 in the rearview mirror and now as the pandemic is surging and with this uncertain 2022, is it just too overwhelming right now for us to invest even time and energy into making New Year's resolutions? I think one thing that's worth recognizing every year is that a lot of people make New Year's resolutions because it's it's almost a cultural expectation at this time of year. But there's no real reason that a New Year's resolution has to be on the New Year's, right? So mm-hmm. one of the reasons that New Year's resolutions have become so common is because people do like to make changes in their lives at a time that feels like there's some kind of a natural break or... Um, kind of a, a landmark or a milestone. This year, it may be that a lot of people are feeling like it's just kind of more of the same and that, um, you know, they're a bit depleted. Um, so it may be that that's not the time to make the kinds of New Year's resolutions that would, at least not the kind that would uh, really involve or require major changes or, you know, setting really, really high kinds of goals that would be difficult to achieve. A lot of people have started to shift towards thinking about New Year's resolutions rather than in terms of really big life goals, Um, thinking about it like the little changes that might make our life a little bit more meaningful or a little bit more pleasant. Some of the kinds of uh, resolutions that might work for a year like this year may well be things that prioritize, you know, building a little bit of meaningful and pleasant time into our lives, finding ways to um, restore some of our well-being if we're feeling a little bit down. Um, and a lot of those things are things that are really quite uh, attainable. Specifically, what, what would, would some of those be? Exercise is really important. A lot of people talk about exercise as, you know, I want to get fit, I want to lose weight and that sort of thing. Um, exercise is actually really important for our uh, mental well-being. And even just going for a walk or, you know, doing uh, a little bit of yoga at home or something like that can really um, end up allowing us to achieve some of those benefits. Um, some of the other things that are still, you know, really available to us right now, uh, things like meditation, um, focusing on some kind of leisure that we truly enjoy, like a hobby rather than just sitting in front of the TV or a screen, cultivating our social connections. And one thing we've found in our research is that um, meaningful social connections can be fostered even when we don't see people face-to-face. So we can actually still have those kinds of connections, even if we're doing it over the phone or FaceTime or online, if it's um, connecting with individual people. Helping other people also has you know, tremendous benefits for our own well-being. Usually ranking right up there with exercise is um, wanting to lose weight. And I'm looking at a study that literally was just sent to my inbox now that says... Um, Nearly two out of every three American adults plan to change their diet due to pandemic pounds. And in fact, two in five say they have gained weight as a result of the pandemic. So I think more than ever, it's probably crucial for people to tackle that one in terms of long-term health. Yeah, that's a good point. So a lot of people have commented that, you know, the pandemic has uh, led to putting on some pounds. 
Um, one thing that uh, I caution about is, you know, if we're focusing on losing weight just for the sake of, say, the, the external um, reasons, right? So what we look like and that sort of thing, that can often really not be all that motivating and it can sometimes lead to unhealthy habits. So um, thinking about weight loss and, and our health more generally in terms of how not only is it good for our long-term well-being, but it can also help us to feel a lot better day by day. What are some of the pitfalls of making and breaking these resolutions? One of the things that people often find when they make these, especially big resolutions at the new year, is that, um, you know, they find that, well, I've made the resolution and then I've failed at it. And so that's it. That's my try for the year. Um, and that's not something that we need to find derails us, but that's often how people end up uh, feeling. And the new year might not be the time that's the right time for everyone to really to have uh, the gumption to really, you know, move forward and, and make it happen. Um, so one way of thinking about it is that often, you know, moving towards any kind of self-improvement or any kind of important goal that we have is often um, almost like a staircase where there are multiple steps we need to take. And if we start if we start towards the top of that staircase, we may end up going up a step and then falling back down that step, right? But it doesn't mean that we fall all the way back down to the bottom of the staircase. So even if we're just taking a step at a time, a lot of times failures can be part of that process along the way. Well, in a way, when you think about it, during a pandemic and now in the face of this, you know, yet another wave with surging cases, it almost seems a good time for people who may have not made resolutions in the past. This year may be a good time to do it because it's also a really good distraction for our brains. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, You know, we're all living through this together and uh, people have found, you know, different ways of being able to manage that at different times. One of the things about the pandemic that is kind of an interesting side effect is that for many people, we also have felt more of a collective sense of togetherness, right? Because we're doing something, we're all in this together. And uh, we know that we're going through something that many other people are going through as well. We don't all face the same burdens and the same struggles, um, but we're all facing something that truly is a historic moment. Um, and it may be that focusing on those kinds of things, right? Like, what can I do that will just, you know, be an attainable thing that can make my life or someone else's life just a little bit better would be a really nice thing to kind of shift to. Thank you so much for this. I appreciate it. It was nice talking to you. That was Dr. Ann Wilson, psychology professor at Wilfrid Laurier University. I'm Christine Ross, and this is the Zoomer Week in Review. Coming up, it's billed as simple recipes for perfect meals. We speak with celebrity chef and cookbook author Lydia Bastianich about her latest book. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, where you can meet like-minded people fighting for a new vision of aging. Find out more at carp.ca. Holiday meal prep and cooking left you burnt out? Well, how about a gourmet-tasting meal without all the fuss? Then check out Lydia's A Pot, A Pan, and A Bowl. 
the latest cookbook offering from beloved celebrity chef and Emmy award-winning TV personality Lydia Bastianich. It contains 100 homey recipes that require fewer steps and fewer ingredients. But she's quick to remind us this minimal approach still requires finesse. Lydia is here to dish on her new no-fuss recipes. I love cookbooks, and while I do use the internet a lot more now, there is nothing like a beautiful cookbook to help us prepare a meal like this this new book of yours that is beautiful. How is this different from your previous books? Well, Christine, uh, this is a, a very simple book, actually. Simple recipes, and the meals are complete. And it is, uh, you know, just before uh, the, the pandemic here, the, the COVID situation, uh, I started on this book. And then COVID came. And then I even more sort of zeroed in on how important it is to cook simple, to cook uh, nutritious foods, and make it easy. You know, everybody was cooking. Everybody was at home in one pot uh, without during 10 pots, uh, making a, a complete meal. And it works. There's recipe my grandmother used to cook like this all the time. Mm-hmm. So these are the kind of recipes, you know, one pot, uh, diverse from meats or fish to legumes, vegetables, all in one pot, and you get a complete meal out of that one vessel. So you bill it as a no-fuss, one-dish book of recipes, and I, I like my kitchen gadgets like everybody else, but this book really is simplifying everything. Is there, If there is one piece of kitchen equipment that home cooks should have, what should it be? Well, there is a good set of knives is one, one, one thing, certainly. Uh, then, of course, uh, a good set of pots. And in this case, I think, especially for this kind of book, uh, a good braising pot, you know? Mm-hmm. If you have a, a, braising, a braising pot is a pot that has a thick bottom. And also the size, you know, whether there's cast, cast iron with enamel or, you know, double uh, stainless steel. Because you... This cooking kind of takes longer and slower temperature, a lower temperature. So a good braising pot, absolutely. And then, of course, I have my uh, wooden spoons. I have my, uh, you know you know what, if we're going to go into really gadgets, a mini chopper. Mm-hmm. I like a mini chopper. Yeah, the big, you know, processor, food processor is great. But a mini chopper for this kind of cooking is great because, you know, you chop your onions, you chop your garlic, you do a little bit of carrot, a little bit of celery, and that's the basis for a lot of these soups, risottos, and braised meats or fish. It's really laid out in, in a reader-friendly manner into the chapters of egg, salad, soup, fish, seafood. Do you do you have a, a favorite recipe or chapter in this book? I don't. I don't, Christina. You know, I love to cook. I love to go by the seasons. Um, you know, if you notice, I dedicated a big chapter to to eggs mm-hmm. and ve- vegetables are also really predominant all over the place in every recipe. But eggs, you know, uh, I think that uh, eggs are such a great source of proteins. I know I grew up uh, with my grandmother and my grandmother produced most of the food. We had chickens, we had ducks, we had goats, we had pigs. And so, you know, I used to run every morning up in the chicken pan and collect all the eggs. I want to ask you about a lovely quote in your book. You say, as a chef creating simple, creative meals is like composing a symphony. How so? Uh, well, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, uh, it is because, you know, you put the notes together, uh, different notes to make good music. I, lo- I happen to love music as well. Uh, uh, symphonic or orchestras, uh, opera. So for me, 
food is, I have the different notes, different flavors in the different ingredients. I have the, for, for dissonance, if you will, I have the different textures in the different ingredients. And for me, putting it together is like putting together a symphony. And then when you're finished, it's, it's like a beautiful uh, sort of flow of melodies between the olfactory, the smells, the tastes, and, and the enjoyment. So the book is, is simple, and it's, it's one-part recipes, but that certainly doesn't mean that you're compromising taste or even this almost gourmet quality, right? Oh, absolutely. The tastes are wonderful here. And actually, there are those tastes, you know, that they're not kind of strange. or They're tastes that uh, kind of hug you, envelop you, you know, those, those familiar home flavors, those good, you know they're good for you, you know they're, they're fulfilling uh, and at the same time, they're quite simple, straightforward. So I have to ask you about family, because I know your late mom used to appear with you on your show. Your son is also a famous TV chef and judge, and I know your daughter is instrumental in this latest book, correct? She is. So, my some, whole family is involved. <laughs> so some of my best memories growing up are always, you know, centered around the dinner table. And when I look back, it wasn't really about what we ate. It was, you know, whether mom cooked a good meal or it was not so good. I just remember sitting at that table with my five siblings and my parents and just that wonderful togetherness that food brought. But we seem to be getting away from that. Is there any way we can get back to that? I get many emails now said, Lydia, you know, especially now that COVID was here, we cooked at home, we got back to the table. How important that is for a family to sit around the table. The table is one of the most important places we have in our home. And, you know, it's a place that you really connect. Uh, food is the magnet because at the table, uh, Christine, you know, our defenses are down. We are taken in. We are physically nourishing ourselves. But also, uh, our being, being that we are taken in, we are taken in whatever else happens at the table, the discussions, the affections. Lydia, we've run out of time. Thank you so much for this. I really appreciate speaking with you. Thank you, Christine. Ciao. That was best-selling cookbook author and restaurateur Lydia Bastianich. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Christine Ross. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Huddy, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.